This episode is brought to you by Family History Films. Visit myfamilyhistoryfilm.com to find out how they can preserve your family history in a fascinating documentary film. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Before we get into the show, I want to thank everyone who tunes in regularly. And if this is your first episode, welcome! I want to encourage all of you to follow me on social media. All of the links are in the show notes. My social media accounts are full of details about mom visits, my own life, podcasting, and most importantly, cute dog photos and videos. I share advice from guests and other caregivers to give you as much support as I can. Now on to the show. With me today is Matthew John. He is a Alzheimer's advocate, and he's also somewhat like me, taking this journey and turning lemons into lemonade. That's right. And he's got he's got a, a product we're going to talk about. But first, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jennifer. Great to be here. You're welcome. So you're very big on educating people. So why don't, why don't you introduce yourself and tell me... What we talked about offline the other day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Matthew. Uh, I have been involved with uh, the Alzheimer's Association as a volunteer. And uh, unfortunately, this is the second time that I've been through a family experience with the disease uh, similar. Jennifer, my grandparents, my grandmother had dementia. Uh, and now, again, similar, my parent, my father has uh, Alzheimer's. So, uh, I've really taken these lemons and really trying to figure out what I can do to have a positive impact, help spread the word about what Alzheimer's is, ways to potentially prevent it, how to mitigate it, how to manage it. Uh, and I think one of the most exciting things to me is getting to meet great people like you who are also unfortunately going through the same thing, but learning a lot about experiences and how to prepare to best help my family going forward. We're definitely on the same path that way. I have three generations. I don't know if I mentioned that the other day. Okay. My great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mom. So I am not going to be the fourth. Yep, I, I agree. That's a great mindset. And I stumbled on the right path. And I told, I've said this story before online or on the podcast I used to weigh over 200 pounds, like 250 pounds, and I'm five foot two. I know it's really easy to tell on an audio medium. <laughs> and I had a client who said, you have a family history of diabetes. You're overweight. You're screwed. And as I mentioned before, those were the best fighting words because once she said, you're screwed, I was like, well, I'll show you, <laughs> which is a very typical family trait. And it took a while. It took I don't usually tell people how long it took because it took a long time to find the path that worked. Right. And once I did, I lost the weight. I have, I've become an exercise fanatic. That's great. Which before then walking the dogs was all pretty much all I did. And now when I get, when I have a week, like I've had this week with mom, my mom fell, she's been in the hospital. I've missed half my workouts or, three-fifths of my workouts, and by the third day, I'm just like, you know, 
you can feel the stress physically. And so I did not know that losing the weight and changing the way I eat, which I did to avoid the diabetes, also probably helped prevent Alzheimer's. Yeah, there's a, a saying that's pretty common right now, which is what is good for the heart is good for the brain. So focusing on cardiovascular health and what you can do for your heart really can have an impact to what ends up happening with your brain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's not an uncommon story too, is folks have diabetes that leads straight to Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia, vascular dementia. Uh, so staying steps ahead of that through diet and exercise like you have can really make a difference. And I did it right as I turned, I started on that journey right about the time I turned 40, which now I'm 53. So, you know, I, I was overweight for a very significant part of my adult life, but thankfully not anymore. Congratulations. That's huge. That's really big. That's great. And I love, I, I always love it when I read and it's a sad statistic, the very small percentage of people that maintain weight loss. I haven't maintained all hundred pounds, but part of that was when I turned 50, my dad ended up on hospice and he passed away and we ended up dealing with my mom and memory care. And it's a lot. Beginning of 2017 was awful <laughs> the first literally five nine like 10 weeks the dog died my daughter moved out my dad died we put my mom in memory care and then there was all the residual things cleaning out their house getting it ready to rent and you know just all that nonsense that you have to deal with so it's like That's a lot i didn't need all that stress because i'm also a stress eater on top of the things that happen when you turn 50, if you're a woman, Yep. <laughs> you know, but it's okay. I'm still working on it. It'll happen. Yes. It just, it gets harder because I'm taking care of my mom. And, you know, like I said, this week I've missed three fifths of my workouts and I had to tell my husband on Wednesday that I was just like, literally, I felt like the spring inside was just tightly wound and was about to snap, which is really and weird. Cause I think back to the times I was going to say an exercise can be a, a great outlet for that. So it's good you know that and that you're utilizing that. Uh, and stress can definitely pull you back from that at times. Yeah. It reminds me, it just just popped into my head. There was, I don't even know what was going on in my life, but I kind of not stormed in, but I, I, I went to the spin class, definitely a dark cloud hanging over my head. And Obviously, that showed on my face. And the spin instructor, who was also my personal trainer at the time, she's like, she goes, everything okay? And I'm like, it will be in an hour. <laughs> and I rode the bike. And I got off the spin bike after an hour. And I'm like, ah, the world is safe from my murderous rage. <laughs> <laughs> so it really does help a lot. You know, it. I didn't start out that way. I started out slowly. I didn't go six days a week. I went three now it's six on good on a good That's week. Wonderful. It hasn't been six for a while. Yeah. It, so in vigorous exercise, uh, what I've learned is that it can actually help generate new brain cells. So as you're going through an hour spin class, not only are you releasing some stress, but you're also generating new brain cells that can help you cognitively function better as well. So it gets your body in a better mood, but then obviously the benefits to your brain are huge. I did experience that one day, not too, too far back in the weeks where I was, um, the spin instructor that we used to have on Mondays doesn't teach on Mondays anymore. So I was like, 
between driving to the gym, getting there early enough to get the bike that I like, doing the hour <laughs> class and driving home was like almost two hours. If I'm going to spend two hours, I'm going to get on my own bike and ride around the neighborhood. Right. I can burn off more calories in the same amount of time or fewer, you know, still more calories, but less time. Right. So I'm like zooming around the neighborhood, not my neighborhood, the, my old one. You had to go up a 10% grade hill, which I used to have a Honda Civic. And it used to like literally whine all the way up the hill. People would like look at you. Oh, she's not flying up the hill. And it was better if I turned off the air conditioner. So that should give people an idea of what a 10% grade <laughs> hill is like. If you are not skinny like a professional cyclist, that kind of hill is hell. Yeah. So I was in a different neighborhood that wasn't quite so bad. And I'm just zooming around probably about 14 to 16 miles an hour, which is, it's not terribly fast, but it's not speed. slow. It's not a recreational speed. And all of these ideas for the podcast, it was, they were, it was like popcorn, just popping in my head. Yeah. Boop, boop, boop. And I was like, I almost need to stop because... I can't, you know, this is like so many ideas. By the time I get off my bike, I'm going to forget half of them. So I'm like, I know how to make this stop. So then I just rode faster. So then you're anaerobic and you don't have time to think because you're trying to breathe. And then I rode up the big hill home and wrote down all the ideas. Yeah, that's great. So it is very true. I think it, and it also, I don't know, it gives you, well, it gives you endorphins. Right. Yep. Makes you feel good once you're done. And then it, it helps you sleep better too. And sleep is another important contributor to the effective cognitive function as well so if you're wearing your body out you're more likely to get into REM sleep uh, that REM sleep is good for your brain as well so it all kind of ties together and I think we're all used to hearing you know diet and exercise are good I think the challenge and what's probably coming out more now and that's growing is the benefit to the brain I think that's been underserved in the past I think people have typically thought oh I'll get a six pack or I'll be thin or whatever it is, but really it's more about cognitive performance and what that can do for you um, from that perspective. Yeah, it's definitely, I feel like since it's been, you know, a dozen years since I started on the journey of weight loss and I'm not going to become diabetic, I'll show you. I don't feel like I've had that quote middle age and most of my listeners know that I have a grandmother that's just about 102 right. or probably will be by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> so, you know, she's 102, I'm 53. Halfway there. <laughs> that makes me a teenager still. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know, and sometimes I think about, you know, 49 more years. Oh my Lord. <laughs> right. Yeah. But as long as they're good ones, you know, like I said, I got this, uh, how old is he? I think he's 31 years older than me. So he's 884. And he rides his bike all over the place, walks his dog, you know, he's doing great, you know, versus other people that we've met. You know, my dad didn't make it to 80. My mom is 77 with advanced Alzheimer's. You know, I don't want to be like them. I would like to be like my friend right. or my grandmother. Right. So, so what do you, how do you give me some exam? I know some stuff on sleep. Right. Because I learned a lot going through the weight loss journey. One of the tricks, tips I learned just recently is, you know, we, we need a really dark, quiet, cool bedroom. Mm -hmm. And they say if you <clears throat> hold your hand up about six to eight inches away from your face and you can see the outline of your hand, your room is not dark enough. Oh, wow. 
And when we moved into this house, you know, about six or seven weeks ago, there were no blinds on the windows and all of the neighbors seemed to have lights on in their backyard. <laughs> and we went from a house that had nobody in the back. There was nothing, no city. It was all open space. It was dark. Right. To neighbors with lights on. I was like, I am not getting decent sleep. Yeah. And, and I'm sure <laughs> most folks who are listening to this have been through an experience where they're not getting decent sleep and just, uh, you know, literally if you're not getting sleep, you can think you're losing your mind. Right. Uh, so no surprise at dark, cold places where you can rest well will invigorate what's going on in your brain. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think I was telling you the other day that if I get one really bad night's sleep, only takes one, I wake up and my brain is going, let's have a donut or some Danish or, and it wants all of this crappy, you know, what your brain thinks is, you know, quick fuel food. It is right. Right. I don't think eating a donut is going to make me feel better if I'm really tired. So I just think it's funny because I know that when my brain is saying, you know, let's have a donut, let's have some Danish. <laughs> it's like, no, you need a nap. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's uh, interesting is, you know, as I self-assess myself in interactions with my wife or my family or my friends or colleagues, uh, typically I figure one of a couple of things is going on if I'm not feeling well. I haven't eaten enough, uh, I haven't slept enough, or uh, I need to drink some water. It's one of those three things. And if I do one of those three things, like my kind of emotional state can completely be different if I can sit down and have a healthy snack. Uh, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm a different person. And that's probably true for a lot of people too. You feel great when you eat that donut, but probably 30 minutes afterwards, you're hungry for something else because it didn't really satiate what your brain was looking for. Yeah. Another donut. Right, exactly. <laughs> yep. That's one of the reasons I don't eat them because you eat one donut and it's like, oh, I'll take another. And I did read, not recently, but in the somewhat recent past, read an article on why certain foods are really hard to only eat, you know, small amounts like potato chips or pizza. Mm-hmm. Now, my husband and I, my husband's really bad. He goes all the time. We'll go to extreme pizza. And get a slice. I get a slice and a salad. Now, I don't understand how they do their math because their slice is actually two. (laughs) And probably 98% of the time I eat one slice and bring the other one home. Only time I eat two is if we do that at dinner time and I'm really hungry. I try to only eat one, but sometimes at dinner time, one and a salad is kind of light. Right. But it's, it's the simple carb and fat that your body's like. It lights up all your happy right. places in your brain because that, that that specific combination lights up all the happy parts in your brain, which is just why you eat a bag of chips or four or five slices of pizza when you really only wanted two. You know, and I think learning those things and knowing that there are certain combinations that trigger, you know, it's not that I don't have self-control or, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, being bad or however we negatively talk about Sometimes when we don't eat right, right, like when I give in to my brain and have a donut or something, I don't usually have donuts, but as an example, if you understand that certain food combinations trigger your brain, sure. like a, you know, a drug, like feed me more. Of yeah, that. no, sugar actually uh, activates the same part of the brain that cocaine does. And so if you, if you think about that, you know, both white powdery substances, 
they're activating the same part of the brain. The brain craves that sort of attention. And once you start it, you want more of it. So it, it goes from a, a will issue to like, it's not even a thinking thing. Your body just, like you're saying, you're not getting enough sleep or you have one donut, you want another one. You just want to fill that craving. So it's a really tough cycle to break. And if you've broken it, I'm sure you've experienced and others have experienced once you taste it again, it kind of kickstarts it all over again and it's hard to curb. So it's really about trying to, how do you maintain that consistently by keeping good things around that aren't going to be tempting, right? If you're not buying donuts the night before and you don't have any in the house, you're probably going to be in better position to have a good morning than if you have a bunch of donuts laying around. Very true. Although I do now live within walking distance of a donut shop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get a little cardiovascular exercise in. That could, you know. Yeah, it's about, what, half a mile? Okay, that's good. Three quarters of a mile, not very far. It still would be better to walk to the donut shop than <laughs> to drive over there. <laughs> a lot of reasons not to drive that short distance. Um, I usually try to eat fruit after lunch so that I do not have the craving for a cookie right. or sugar or whatever, which I have told people is genetic because my maternal grandfather did not feel a meal was complete until he had dessert. Mm. I don't know if that included breakfast or not, but lunch. And they, they were really good when I was late teens, college age. Yeah. College age. Cause they started traveling right after I graduated from high school. They would have the, processed packaged desserts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those are it was it was the eighties. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knew better then, but I didn't. Right. So and the other thing I never thought the next time my, my brain is going, let's have chocolate, Jen. Let's have some sweet. I'm gonna have some water first and see if that helps. You know that's a very common situation too is uh a lot of eating is actually a function of being dehydrated. And so people tend to eat as opposed to hydrate. And there's research out there that shows that if you're drinking your eight to 10 glasses of water on a daily basis, uh, which can be tough to do, but your brain function can be up to 30% higher than if you're not doing that. So that's, that's a pretty substantial difference, right? So if you're thinking you're hungry, if you grab a glass of water and have a glass of water, you might be satiated afterwards, prevent the donut binges and also help improve your brain function at the same time. So it's, there's so much out there. I mean, I, I've been amazed as I've kind of started this journey again with my dad over the last three years, how much I was doing and how much I can do differently. That's going to help position me. Like it sounds like you're positioning yourself as you're drinking water uh, <laughs> to try and not be the next one in my family to get this disease or to, you know, operate at a higher level as well. You know, I, I run my own business. Um, I volunteer a lot, I, you know, I've got a lot going on. So my mental capacity is really important. And if I'm not operating at a high level, things aren't going to happen. I'm not out there, you know, lifting weights and making a living by lifting things. So I've got to have a effective brain in order to do my job well and my responsibilities. That is very true. I only drink water and tea. And I did a whole episode on tea and brain health because I ran across an article on how tea is actually good for your brain right. and why. 
And me being my family laughs because I am extremely fussy about how you cannot make tea if you don't boil water. <laughs> I mean, it just, that is, it's, it's like, I'm assuming that you can't really make coffee without boiled water either, but restaurants will throw a tea bag in water that's not hot enough and it just yeah, doesn't taste right. right. It drives me bananas. <laughs> I even have my own portable travel electric kettle because I'm a tea snob. <laughs> wow. I've never heard that before. That's, that is a tea snob. I, there are not a lot of tea it snobs is. out there, but I'm glad there's a growing group. That sounds good. And I was really surprised. I knew that coffee and tea, the caffeine in them is actually beneficial to your brain, which was counterintuitive to what I had thought. And so the researching the tea and the brain health was really fascinating. Right. I was like, yay, for me. <laughs> it's like I didn't even have to change anything other than what I put in it is not good. Right. But, yep. you know, I figure I have cleaned up my diet and we didn't eat unhealthy, but we've cut out a lot of fats and a lot of uh, simple carbohydrates, you know, white pastas, white, right. you know, white rice and stuff. My husband really likes white rice better. If I have time, I make my own pasta because it tastes so much better. And I use a, a whole white whole wheat. It just tastes fun. Now I'm going to make myself hungry. <laughs> Drink your water. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's like, it's probably what it is since I did the bike ride this morning. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And I don't think I've ever told people the way I, you know, a lot of people like, oh my gosh, a lot of people at my gym did not believe that I did not have gastric bypass. I did not. So that's what I did is I just slowly changed how I ate. And now I can't go back right. because my, my system goes on revolt. Right. And did you notice a difference and, in your, your brain function as you were physically changing and losing that hundred pounds? Um, I've thought about that and it's hard to know since I had just turned 40 or was right around 40 when I started. Um, I think that it didn't diminish with age for sure. Right. I mean, not that from 40 to 53 is huge. I mean, it's 13 years, but still. About 12 at this point. Um, I've noticed, this is kind of funny. I noticed since I started doing the podcast that I feel like my brain is more alive. Yeah. Because I had to do a lot of dynamic learning. Right. I, I'm also a photographer, but I've been a photographer for 27 years. And I was very proud of the fact that, you know, like one day, it was just hysterical. Gal came over to do a portrait and the power went out. Well, that makes it difficult when your studio lights don't light up. Right. And I said, oh, but I have the backup uh, gear just drove off in the drive out of the driveway with my daughter in my car. Well, dang it. Okay, so now plan B is no longer an option. Okay, plan C. So, I mean, and plan C was definitely not as good looking as plan A would have been. Right. But I, I made it work. And I was very happy with, you know... I could roll with the punches because I've been doing this so long. And then after I started doing the podcast and I had to learn a whole ton of stuff, none of it was terribly complicated, but it was all different. It was like, Oh, I kind of feel like yeah, more things are going is on. More alive. Well, and, and uh, I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is signs of dementia or Alzheimer's and cognitive decline and the ability to not problem solve is one of the signs. So in your situation, putting yourself in a position where you're having to continually learn 
and get exposure to new things, again, you're creating more neural connections in your brain. So it's going to allow your brain to develop and grow as opposed to not being a situation where you have to problem solve and doing the same thing every day. That stimulation can really have an impact. And that's, that's one of the top signs that if you're not able to do that problem solving anymore, that's a, a sign that maybe you're headed in the wrong direction. You should take some steps like you have. You're doing a podcast, you're getting out and exercising, you're drinking water. All of that is, is really important. It can make a big difference to what's going on in your brain. I like it when people will say, you know, like they lost their keys and then they find them. And they're like, oh, God, is that Alzheimer's? Like, no. <laughs> I mean, if I hear somebody at the gym say that or the right. store, I'm like, no, I just insert myself. And I'm like, if you misplace something and you can't retrace your steps to find them, I was just talking to the director of the memory care where my mom lives and I misunderstood her. And she said she looked for her purse for an hour and a half. And I said, that's not a good thing. And right. she goes, was because a resident moved it. And I'm like, oh, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot different, right? Yeah, somebody else moves your stuff and you can't find it. But, <laughs> you know, and I always thought, well, I don't misplace things because I'm very particular. So it's like, you know, certain things go in certain places. Yep. The way I don't have to think about it. Well, yeah, if your organization is, is one way to help your brain be able to retain other things as well, right? If you spend your whole day trying to find where your keys are put, not a very productive day, but if you can organize things in a way, it allows your brain to do other more advanced things like problem solve what to do when the lights go out in the middle of a photo shoot. Uh, yeah. So yeah, misplacing items is another sign, but to your point, that's not necessarily like there are times where I forget my keys. I don't think that at this point I have Alzheimer's. Uh, but th one of the scary things is that Alzheimer's and other dementia are showing that it can actually start to take place 20 to 30 years before some of these signs start to show up. So mild cognitive impairment or early onset, there are folks in their 40s and 50s that are diagnosed with these diseases. And more than likely, they probably started getting them in their 20s. So if you're going back to the 80s and thinking about some of those packaged snacks, um, packaged uh, snacks like that with all those added sugars that include ingredients that you can't pronounce, um, <laughs> that could start your path towards what ends up being Alzheimer's or dementia. Well, I guess I'll have to thank my mom because I got homemade desserts all the time. Like I had a best friend. She loved Chips Ahoy cookies. And I had to like almost never eaten them because my mom always made great ones at home. <laughs> Tasted much better than Chips Ahoy. And mom made all kinds of desserts, brownies, cakes, all kinds of, all lots of sugar. Yeah. My mom's side of the family loves the sugar. So I have a trick that I learned while on the journey of weight loss is you can replace half of the butter. Well, you can replace all the butter, but in a typical Toll House cookie recipe, any cookie recipe, especially if it calls for two sticks of butter, just really good. I can't eat that much butter. Yep. Replace it with half of the butter with silken tofu. Hmm. The flavor is the same. You, you can't make them crunchy. So if you like the, the crispy cookies, this won't work. Um, but they're soft. The, my, my husband loves them. Everybody that's ever had them just loves them. And what's cool is because there's protein in the tofu and some fiber, 
you have one cookie and it's like, oh, yeah, you really don't want a second. Like you really don't want right. Hmm? It, yeah, it fills yeah, you up. Yeah, it's yeah, you have that with some of your tea or some of your water or both. I'm usually double fisting it sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, now I just have to find a replacement for some of the fake sugars that I put in my tea. Yeah. Um, that's my next step. Some of my, that's the one thing that I'm still bad at. So, uh, one of my go-tos there, uh, from a sweetener perspective is organic honey. I think that can be really useful. It's full of minerals and nutrients that help cognitive function. Um, so that's a, that's a good option there. And from a baking perspective, I think a lot of people love baking like your mom has, and it sounds like you have adding things in and using like bananas, uh, or dates, you know, they're very easy to mash up and they create, they bring things together, but they have that sweetness and they have the fiber with them, typically low on the glycemic level as well. So it's not going to be the spike in your blood sugar. Um, small changes like that can make a big difference. And I'd say even for Toll House, swap those out for a hundred percent chocolate cacao nibs. In same way, you'll probably have two or three of them and you'll be like, oh, I don't want six or seven of them because the way your body processes them is going to be different. And then also potentially the energy that your brain and your body get from it is much more long lasting than that spike that you would get if you had the Tool House recipe. So there's all kinds of uh, great resources out there. If uh, you or others aren't familiar with it, the Mind Diet is a growing trend uh, which has all kinds of good recipes. Uh, there's mind diet books. There's a book out there called uh, brain food that has some recipes in it um, that give all these tips and tricks for people to use so that slight changes, you'll get used to the taste. I, I can promise you that, uh, but it's so much better for you and your being and mindset will be different because you're making changes like that. That is very true. And sometimes we just have to, we just have to just try. Right. My husband and I, a couple years ago, uh, did the Blue Apron subscription. Oh, good. And we, both of us did not think we liked sweet potatoes. And one of the, one of the first meals, everything about it we liked, but we're like, eh, I don't know about the mashed sweet potatoes. So I like literally take my fork. I'm like, okay, I'm going in. I scoop up some. I taste it. I'm like, hmm. Not hating it. Take a second bite. And my next statement was, who the hell killed me for sweet potatoes all these years? These are good. Right. I'm like, hello. And I'm like, I think it was one of those Thanksgivings. Right. My dad was from the Midwest originally. And I think somebody had the sweet potatoes with the brown sugar and the marshmallows. Right. Now I told Too you much. my mom's side of the, yeah, my mom's side of the family. We love our sugar, but that's just gross. Yeah. So I don't remember ever eating sweet potatoes any other way. So that must be it. Now we've had them a lot. Yeah. I've had I've got a chili recipe that includes them. Just different things. But one of the dishes that I made about a year or so ago is um it's a faux fried rice made with the Frika grain. Frika is F-R-E-E-K-A-H. Okay. And I don't think most people would realize that it's not brown rice. And it's, it's kind of lighter than brown rice. And it's this particular recipe is vegetarian. So it's got an egg and tons of vegetables in it and this grain. And it's, it's like having vegetarian fried rice. Of course, I add chicken because the egg is not quite enough protein for right. me. 
but it's delicious for lunch. I've I have some in the fridge now. I need to finish up before it goes back. Yeah, and, and meal <laughs> and it's sometimes as you say, meal prep is really helpful too, right? We're, there's only two of us now, so our <laughs> meal prepping is trying to make sure that we have. Well, we always have stuff here to eat, but you know, if the meat is frozen, that's a challenge. Right. Is kind of plan like I asked this morning at breakfast. What are we going to do for dinner? So my husband's planning on that, and so you have to do a little planning. But our life is enough chaotic sometimes that if we try to plan too much, we end up wasting food, which makes me crazy. Right. Right. But yes, meal prepping makes it a lot easier to eat healthy, keeping healthy stuff in your fridge. Like I have um, bags of baby carrots. I eat those with a sandwich at lunchtime. That's great. I don't miss potato chips for that. Yep. And they have a bunch of, uh, oh, what's the name of the carotenoids, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, which Yeah, that sounds right. Um, are really, again, helpful for your brain function. Another interesting thing that I, I've learned is that neurotransmitters are created by one thing and that's our nutrition. So if you're not eating the right things, your neurotransmitters are not going to function the way that they need to, and they're not going to exist. So eating some carrots is going to help you as opposed to eating some salty chips that have been, you know, deep fried in something. Uh, it really makes a difference. And I, I eat sweet potatoes. I probably go through a bag of sweet potatoes on a, on a weekly basis, uh, make it with salmon, uh, leafy greens. That's a standard meal for me to try and help improve my function. And that's my one other downfall is I do not like anything that came out of the ocean. I do not like any fish <laughs> period. So I do take a fish oil supplement. That's good. Or it's actually a krill oil. That way I'm not burping up fish flavor. Cause that would be the end of taking those. <laughs> but I don't know what my problem is. Multi-generational Californian access to all kinds of seafood and I don't want any of yep. it. <laughs> that makes sense. And I have tried, that is the one thing I've tried it enough times as an adult in the recent past, tried some, I'm like, okay, you know, now I'm liking sweet potatoes. I like other things that I didn't think I liked. So let me try some fish. Nope. Still don't like that. <laughs> Just like, I don't know what it is, but you, you said, um, the greens, right. Leafy a greens. lot of people yep. don't like kale. If you do not like kale, try collard greens because they're very similar, but they, we liked collard greens much better than kale and they're a lot easier to prepare. You don't have to, it's a lot less preparation of the leaves. Right. Yeah. The, the one thing I've been doing and that I've helped my father implement too is like one salad a day. And again, I think growing up and younger, I always just think, okay, that's good to like help my body get in better shape, but the brain benefits of leafy greens are just astounding. The vitamin E that's in spinach um, is an essential vitamin that your brain needs to function properly. You can do all I, I like to think fun things with salads. Like you can put all kinds of toppings on them, uh, you know, just as a base and use it like people typically use pizza, right? You can put all kinds of things on top of a pizza. You can put all kinds of things on top of a salad, but getting those greens into your system can really make a difference. <laughs> I forgot to close the office door. <laughs> so I don't know if everybody just heard my husband came home and he yelled hello. <laughs> hello. That's okay. <laughs> um, so there's a reason that you've been doing a lot of this nutritional research right. besides the fact that you don't want to be 
a third generation. Like I don't want to be a fourth generation. Right. So what is this that you've been working on that's coming out? Soon? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, so the, the name of the product that I've developed is called Remember, uh, and it's brain food to help cognitive function. Uh, kind of the backdrop to it is my parents came out to visit my wife and I when we were living in Dallas, Texas. And when my dad and mom got there, my dad was kind of out of sorts. It was a long day of travel. They didn't sleep well. Uh, their hydration was not where it needed to be. So my mom and I started doing research, like what are, what are some good brain foods that he could eat that would help get him into a better position? Uh, he slept for a day, you know, we started playing music and if, I don't know if that's one of the topics that you've covered so far, but music is an awesome category that folks don't know the benefit, especially for folks that are suffering with Alzheimer's or dementia. Music is a, a terrific avenue to reawaken people. Um, but we got, we had music and sleep and hydration going. So we came up with this idea of researching what foods we could put together. And we came up with what we called at that time, brain bars, uh, which basically included all scientifically backed ingredients from oats, berries, nuts, uh, seeds to help improve cognitive function. And, uh, as a volunteer for the Alzheimer's association, uh, ending last season, in some fundraising, I, I run my own business now. And I thought, you know what, I think I can help create a more sustainable revenue source to nonprofits that are doing great work like the Alzheimer's Association and combine that with getting more insight out there and more products out there that people could utilize like my mom and I created in the kitchen. So Remember is a scientifically backed ingredient nutrition bar that includes uh, protein, nuts, uh, fruits, seeds, and fiber. It's got a really good balance between them. And the goal with it is to help educate people, but also to, you know, if you're looking for a snack with your tea, pick up a Remember because it's going to help your cognitive function. A lot of the what I call nutrition bars out there. If you look at what is in them and you look at the ingredient profile, I think you'd be astounded at how much sugar and how many things are in it that really, in my opinion, are not nutritious. So kind of selfishly trying to create something for my father has turned into this idea and a product that is close to launching that's going to be able to help raise money for nonprofits, educate people, and also hopefully be part of their daily habit and a way that you've described changing whether it's their physical body or their mental state through proper nutrition. So it's really exciting. Well, I definitely am getting, I'm sure I'm going to definitely need those a four o'clock every day. <laughs> I, I need a small snack. I can make that happen. So, I can make that good. happen. <laughs> Cause I'm, you know, it's sometimes it's fruit and sometimes it's, you know, like a little cheese stick or something, but it's like, sometimes it's just like, you just need something easy to eat while you're sitting at the computer working on editing a podcast or right. photos or whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's a terrific snack. I had one for a snack two days ago, and I, I was very, again, satiated. I felt great afterwards. I didn't feel sluggish afterwards. Um, the taste is really good, too. We have two flavors that we're starting off with. One is the original that I was kind of describing that my mom and I came up with a couple years ago. And then the second one, uh, you saw me before we started eating some dark chocolate. It's our 
chocolate recipe. Um, so it uses 100% cacao uh, and cacao chips in it. So it has a, a good chocolate profile to it. So whichever way you and like to go. Oh, chocolate all the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming the fruit helps sweeten up those cacao. But, because I've had some, what is it? I think I had an 80 something percent cacao bar. Right. It was, um, I had orange fruit trees in my old house and the winter 2017 into 2018. Okay. 2018 into 2019. Yeah. 2018 into 2019. I had so many oranges on my tree. It was like, if I ate one more orange, I'm going to be orange. <laughs> and I was literally find, trying to find recipes that used up oranges. Cause I'm like, I can't eat any more freaking oranges. I'm like, Egh. <laughs> so I made an, um, chocolate an orange chocolate upside down cake oh, wow. something a pineapple upside down cake but it was the cake part was chocolate with the oranges it was delicious that sounds really good yeah it was really good and it it um uh, and i also made an orange sherbet orange sorbet excuse me and it called for grating a really dark chocolate on top of the the, the sorbet right on top of the sorbet Excellent. You take a bite of it. It was like, <laughs> need some sugar with it. <laughs> yeah. So there is, there is some sweetness in uh, the remember. So sweeten it up with, we have dates in the remembers and also cherries in the remembers in the chocolate one. So it's a good combination. It has uh, almond butter in it and the protein. So it's a really good balance between. I, yeah. Right. Getting hungry. It's you're making me hungry again. Four o'clock our time anyway. So it's about that time of day for you. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so really. So when do when do you think those are launching? Uh, within the next quarter. So I'm going through the hopefully the final round of prototypes. We've made some adjustments, gotten some insights from customers on what they like about it, what should change. Uh, I didn't mention this specifically earlier, but I'm working with nutrition specialists and dietitians. Uh, I have a doctor that's looking at it who is also very deep into brain health. So I'm really trying to do everything I need to do to make sure this product is as good as it can be to be brain food, to help cognitive function. Um, so going through that process right now, but likely within the next month, I'll start taking pre-orders. Um, the website is rememberbrainfood.com. So hopefully easy to remember, uh, pun somewhat intended there. Uh, and what we're also, you, you remind me, I have lots of, all my websites are long, long addresses <laughs> for various reasons, none of which are good. <laughs> Just, um, I, when I went and went to get the domain address for fading memories, I learned the hard way that fading memories is a, a band and a movie uh, and a book. And so fadingmemories.com was 35,000 plus dollars. Yeah, not getting that one. I was like, I must be reading that screen wrong. Let me go have some lunch. <laughs> like, came back. I'm like, still almost thirty six thousand. I'm not spending thirty six thousand yeah, dollars on a domain. Wow. Nope. So it's Fading Memories podcast. So it's there like very long. Well, one of the things. And my photography one's long too. One of the things we've done um, is we have a, a text in service. So right now, if you text in a purple heart from your mobile phone to twenty four three sixty five. It'll send you some details. So try to make it easy as well. The purple heart coming from obviously purple being a, a dominant color, color for Alzheimer's. Uh, and 24, 365, just kind of representing how often we're available if you need 
any insight on nutrition, you can reach out to us. And one of the other things that we're doing that I don't think I mentioned to you the other day is we are building out a service as well, where it's not just going to be a product that you can eat, but if you want to get insight into other things that you can do to help your brain health, like we've been talking about, whether it's sleep or exercise or, you know, you don't like eating salmon or fish, what can you do in replacement of that? Uh, we're working to build a network of nutrition experts who can walk people through some changes that would help them get to a place where hopefully they're mitigating their potential for getting Alzheimer's or some other dementia. Which is really important. And even, you know, like a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to know if I have Alzheimer's or not, right. because there's nothing they can do. I was at, let's see, it was in the Toronto. The um, This should tell you how this topic is becoming more and more mainstream, for lack of a better term. Right. I was at the Toronto International Convention for Rotary in 2018, and one of the sessions I went to was um, Brain Health and Peace, and I thought <laughs> only somebody from Berkeley, California would set those two together. <laughs> and the main speaker was from Berkeley. Hey, so I'm not it. just being disparaging, <laughs> but what they were pointing out was her and then three brain researchers from Brazil. But they were saying the number, and I should have looked this up, but I didn't. I think it was like 10 million cases of Alzheimer's worldwide every year. And if we can prevent people from getting it for five years right. it drops that number dramatically yeah. and so you know it's like like my mom is 77 and my grandmother's almost 102 so it if i have the well let's say at 53 i would probably already have have it if i even if i wasn't showing signs but if i could prevent it for five years right and not get it yep. in my 70s or 80s right more power too. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's the right concept. So uh, right now, particularly, we're going through the coronavirus epidemic and pandemic, right? So there's this yep. phrase out there right now with social distancing and everything about flattening the curve. That same concept mm -hmm. of flattening that pandemic, not necessarily to lessen the number of people that get it, but to spread it out over a long period of time, is exactly the same thought with Alzheimer's because or other dementia, because one of the most prevalent factors is age relative to these diseases. And so if you can push that off three years, five years, 10 years, lifespans, you know, eventually not everybody's going to live to be over a hundred. Uh, but rather than getting Alzheimer's at age 65, if you push that to 75, you know, there's some mortality that happens between those years. So yeah, flattening the curve, by taking preventive measures can really be impactful. Um, and the other thing I would say is I, I know there's, I think commonly this thought that there's not a cure for Alzheimer's. Um, but I think one of the exciting things for me is I just spent over a month with my parents, uh, helping take care of my dad. He's kind of in the moderate stages of Alzheimer's right now, but we kind of focused on these areas that we've been talking about. It's like, wake up in the morning, drink a glass of water, eat a healthy meal um, that doesn't have a bunch of sugars in it, had a, you know, um, chia seeds in it and blueberries, which are shown to have positive cognitive health. Um, 
go out for a walk every day and focus on sleep, diet, exercise, socialization. Uh, and my mom is telling me now, as I kind of check in and see how things are going, that my dad is acting more like himself now than he was before my visit. So to see even a moderate uptick in kind of his behavior and his ability to interact to me is encouraging. So I think as anybody starts to see these signs, whether it's forgetting your keys or you can't problem solve as well, that that's the time to really think about what are the lifestyle things that I can start doing, getting on a bike and riding, changing your diet, you know, getting to a dark, cold place so you can sleep better, um, de-stressing, all that can really have a big impact uh, and flatten the curve. But also I think there's, you know, I'm probably more optimistic now that I can help have a positive impact on my dad's cognitive function than I have been in the past, especially given the time that I just spent with him recently. That's, that's a fascinating thing to hear. And then I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit is I'm sure you know that 18% of family caregivers pass away before their person they're caring for. And 65% of us end up hospitalized before our family members pass away. So just your dad having a slight uptick, being a little bit more like his old self, definitely helping your mom. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I think that's part of the challenge with this disease is, you know, you're slowly seeing people whittle away and go going from being able to, you know, my dad studied math. I was working towards MBA, worked for General Electric for almost 40 years, was really successful. You know, now he's asking like, you know, where does this cup go? And he's asked me five times within the last two minutes, you know, that it's really tough to see that. And then I know you were mentioning the other day that the further down the road, like your mom's at now not being able to feed herself or soiling herself like that, that's really tough to watch and emotionally straining. So there, I think it's equally as important as a caregiver to be focused on these things as well. Right. So if, if you're a caregiver who's intimately involved with taking care of somebody with one of these diseases, the more you can exercise to de-stress, the more you can eat properly and sleep better, you can make that a habit. You're going to take care of yourself first. And then hopefully that'll translate to, again, at least flattening the curve in which somebody may progress with a disease like this. Next, I don't know if I mentioned it the other morning, you know, we've been on this journey with my mom for like 20 years. Yeah. It's a long disease. So it is very long. I haven't met too many, actually, no, but I've, I've heard of two other people, one at about the same, same length of time. And then there's one other person who um, I've heard that her mom lived for 30. Now maybe they saw it way, way early, You know, I've mentioned multiple, multiple times on the podcast that I think my mom started showing signs in the summer of 1995. She was formally diagnosed in September of 2011. And so what is that? 15, 14 years? You know, and it's easy to look back and go, hmm, I think, you know, some of these things she was doing might have been early signs, but they were very easily dismissed to, you know, not paying attention, getting distracted being stressed, being tired, you know, very easy to dismiss, but, you know, looking back, I'm, I'm not sure that 
Those were the reasons that she was having the issues. She'd take orders from clients and not write down due dates and instructions or anything useful. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that happened more and more. Very, very disruptive. So if, yeah, it's very stressful for us. Cause it's like, right. I got to the point where she was, she would chit chat with clients a lot. And if I heard her talking, just shooting the breeze, I would go out and, Oh, so, you know, what are we doing for Matthew today? And I, I'd, I'd kind of, take the order and look at it. And then if there was a question, it could kind of easily ask the client, Oh wait, mom didn't write. When was, when, when, when are we supposed to have this ready for you? It was very easy to fix the problem before it happened. Right. If I could catch her in the middle of chit chatting and it's easy, you know, you're talking, you know, you're talking about the kids, the grandkids, whatever. And the next thing you know, they run out the door and you're like, ah, oh, I forgot to write down the due date. Oh, it's, uh, it's tomorrow or whatever. You know, it's very easy to dismiss, but it happened more and more. And then right. one day she didn't recognize her own handwriting. Yeah. That was fun. Wow. That was in like, it was before 2005. So it was between 2000 and 2004. I don't remember exactly which year it was because, you know, those aren't the kind of things you write down in your journal. Right. Right. <laughs> but those maybe really I should have. Tough moments. Really tough moments. Yeah, because when I pointed it out that, yes, it was her handwriting, because she said it was one of the employees, and I showed her, I'm like, um, employees' handwriting, very loopy and circular, and mom's was very, I mean, they weren't even remotely similar. Mom's was very angular. And I said, this is so-and-so's handwriting. This is yours. And she goes, I don't want to end up like my mother. Stomped off. And I was like, uh murder is illegal. I don't know what other options you're giving me here. I mean, it was just, it was literally right. like, I don't know what to say. And I think we just ignored it from that point on, but I knew at that point. And so that was, let's just say 2004 when she wasn't diagnosed till 2011. Right. That's a long time. So it was, yeah, she, everybody in the family knew by the time it was formally diagnosed, she was already in mid stages. Yeah. But you know, if she had eaten better, and exercised more. She was. She never had to worry about her weight like I did. That comes from my dad's side yeah. of the family. Um, and oh, I, I think I told you this the other day. She would drink two liters of Diet Coke every day. Yeah, that's probably not helpful. Nope, I think that's poison for your brain. Yeah. I don't even like soda anymore. Well, and to your point so. about the, the exercising for the body, I mean, if you look at somebody with mild cognitive impairment or early onset. Like if I showed you a picture of my father, you wouldn't think anything was wrong with him. Right. Uh, and so again, I think that's where there can be a shift in perspective on the challenges. You can look at your muscles, you can look at, you know, how much fat you have on your body. You can look at how much you weigh. It's really tough to tell how well your brain's performing. So exercise for physical is definitely helpful, but even for me, uh, you know, I'm 5'11", 160 pounds. I, I don't need to exercise necessarily for my physical stature. I need to exercise because my brain needs it. I need to get that oxygen flowing. I need to generate new brain cells. Those are some, I would say, motivating reasons for me to get out every day. And for folks that think that they're in shape and might think, oh, I don't need to exercise, 30 minutes. Like, go for a walk, break it up, 15 minutes, twice get your heart rate up, get the oxygen flow into your brain, build those new brain cells. That, that can really make a difference. And I think the other perspective shift, in my opinion, is it's not really an old person's disease, right? They're finding more and more ability to diagnose this earlier. So the cases of early onset are growing, earlier mild cognitive impairment. And as I referenced earlier, 
it really can start as early as 20 to 30 years earlier. So it's not, there's no like, Oh, I, I can wait till I'm 50 or I can wait till I'm 40 or wait till I'm 30 to start worrying about my brain health. It really needs to be a lifestyle approach all the way through adulthood to help prevent this disease from coming on later in your life. And I think it'll help you be successful too. Right. I mean, one of the distinguishing factors of humans is we have bigger brains than most of our animal counterparts. And so if we're not taking care of our brain, we're really not any better than some of our animal counterparts, right? That's, that's a really essential organ for us to take care of. That is true. You know, and everybody, you know, they want to live, they want to live a good and the long life. Right. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, as long as I, you know, like my, my grandmother, who I said is 102, is mostly blind from glaucoma, wow. which has been like the last 41 years. And it was the last 15 that it's been significant. So it's been a long time, Lord. But just in the last year, now she's starting to have problems hearing. Mm, yep. And it's like, she says getting old is not for wimps. That is very true. <laughs> and when she, what happened is she had most of her vision in one eye and she having grown up in grown up poor in the depression and getting married in the late thirties and they were poor. So my grandmother is very reluctant to spend any of the money that my grandfather left her, which has been significant. She was pulling weeds and she slipped and hit her face on her good eye Gosh. and stretched the retina. So I thought, Oh, you know, my grandmother painted. She likes to watch the sunset. Very, very visual like I am. Right. I thought, nope, she's going to just, you know, give it up. Nope, she's still here. Wow. You know, and I can't imagine what it's like not to be able to see much. And now you can't hear too well. Yeah. <laughs> like, and those, you know, stimulating that way, um, kind of going to one of the things we talked about is socialization, you know, having the ability to like you're saying, even on the podcast, I think one of the benefits is you're, you're talking and you're engaging and you're learning new things, not only how to, you know, slice and dice the podcast and all that, but the social engagement, learning from people that can go a long way. And the more you do of that, the more beneficial. So it's got to be really challenging if you can't read, you can't see, and your hearing's going to get that brain stimulation. Yeah. You know, and at 102, well, she said... Um, right after my dad died, it was her oldest son. That she was striving for 105. So we'll see. <laughs> she got three more years. I don't That's know. Pretty ambitious. I, That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and it's and her husband died in December of 97. So wow. it's been a long haul. <laughs> but I want to live that long just because there are things happening right now that I would like to see through the lens of history. Right. You know, like I grew up in the 80s. California, you know, I don't remember Reagan being our governor. I think that might have been before my time or really early in my time. 60s. I'm hearing from the other room. It was in the 60s. <laughs> I was born in November 66, so that's only partly helpful. Um, but I remember, you know, Germany being east and west with the Berlin Wall. Right. And that's gone. Right. Um, just, there's just things when you look back and, you know, space shuttle blowing up when I was in early college, just various things, you know, like the AIDS crisis. And I right. don't even hear about that anymore. Right. It's just like, so I want to see how current things play out, how 
history judges them. Right. So I need to live, you know, another 40 years just so I can see all that. Right. No. So I got to have my brain right. so that I can process and that information. So you can share it with others, right? And what it was like to live through those experiences, right? Oh, Lord. I don't think I'll be podcasting it in 40 years, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, I bet you didn't think this... you would be podcasting at 53 either. Nope. Right. I don't think I knew what I was going to do. <laughs> I was looking for something new because the photography industry has changed a tremendous amount. Um, it's very easy to create your own nice photos. Right. It's still not as easy as for to do it as I can do it, but that's not a very good sell sales point. So <laughs> I needed something to do because if I'm going to live another 50, some 49 years right. or more, right. I got to do something. I can't retire at 53. So <laughs> I started a podcast two years ago. That's great. And I love That's it. It's wonderful. It's yes. really great. Yeah, and I love what you're doing with well, it. I think uh, getting more education out there, helping people understand what resources, uh, you know, as I shared with you, I really love how much you're sharing about your story with your mom. As painful as that can be, folks like me that are not at that stage with my situation, um, learning about things. So thank you for all you do and sharing this out. And, and that's really what, I'm hoping to do as well, whether it's as a volunteer or starting Remember, is really try to educate people because it it sucks to see somebody that you love so much go through this. Um, but like you said, make lemonade, right? I share with you the phrase that uh, my friend Judy shares is that you know you have can't really control the cards that you get, but you have an obligation to play the hell out of the cards that you have. And so I think we're both trying to do that. Uh, and trying to make the world a better place is a function of what we're going through and hopefully help flatten the curve for others out there that might be genetically uh, predispositioned to get the diseases. Definitely. My go original goal was to impart the wisdom I had already learned and it didn't take too long to use that up. And so then I had to start <laughs> talking to other people. Yeah. Right. And I've learned a lot and, just having the podcast has helped me because now I have people I can reach out to, right. you know, like my mom fell and broke her leg and do we do the surgery to pin the bones back together or, you know, and those are very difficult decisions to make because I feel like I'm making decisions for her right. that she should have input on. She has, you know, I tried to ask her and <laughs> I explained what happened and I explained that she should do surgery, but you know, I, I tried to keep it really simple. Like you're talking to a five-year-old. Right. It didn't do any no, good. I figured I'd try. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect much, but I thought, well, let yeah. me at least try. But having people to reach out to helped me a lot. Right. And one of the reasons for a podcast instead of a blog or a book or something else was because it's 24 seven. You want to hear my story about tea or brain bars or the canine caregivers or I've done one on um, Alive Inside, which is the music. Yeah. I have another music. I love Alive um, Inside. Yeah, I have another one that I have to edit. It's uh, music is self-care. So, you know, there's just, if you've got a question in almost two years, I've probably Covered it. touched on it. Yep. And if I, if you have a question and I haven't touched on it in over a hundred <laughs> episodes, Shoot me an email. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I'm always looking for ideas. They they do pop into my head when I'm riding there my bike. There you go. Though. Great. <laughs> well, this has been great. Yeah. I look forward to trying both flavors of bars. Thank I you. will. I will not. I will not just be a, uh, uh, you know, prejudiced to the chocolate <laughs> one. <laughs> 
And I will definitely share them with my cycling group because Great. they're, um, you know, they're all pretty, try to eat healthy, but they also need it to be easy. Right. So, yep. And that's and they're always part of the goal. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode and I don't know about you, but I could certainly use a snack after listening to all that conversation about food and brain advice. Hopefully I get some Remembars in the mail soon. Be sure to check out the show notes, my social media pages, and definitely email or leave a voice text from the website if you have any suggestions, questions, or concerns. And as always, I will be in your ears again next Tuesday.